I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, happy Hanukkah, everyone. Hanukkah's over. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You're too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn, it's a festival of lights. Oh, yes. Now it is. Actually, when this podcast is out, it's 2018. Oh, so happy new year, everyone. Woo! Yay, 2018. I had my astrology done. It says, like, my entire year is going to be lucrative and amazing. I'm in for a really good year, and I'm really excited about that. Ooh, does that mean shameless sex is going to be just I think so. through the roof? It said I'll be shame-free in 2018. I'm like, I already am. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm excited for that. Maybe uh, hitting some of the abundance over here. I'm feeling pretty abundant, but I, I, I you know, horoscope, I have never been, a, never like, it's never really caught I on. am, because you know what? You're a Scorpio rising. I'm a Scorpio rising. Woo. Is that coincidence? I think not. <laughs> You're a Pisces. I'm a Cancer. Two water signs. <laughs> Is that a coincidence? Match I think made not. In it's a match see, made in heaven. I'm more into the theory that water we, heaven. See, I'm more into the the concept of the fact that maybe we shared past lives together and that we're this just reliving them here. Many lives, many masters. Listen to it three times on Audible. P.S. Because of Myra, because you referral. recommended it. Yeah. So good. I listened to it three Damn. times. It's centering me. <laughs> yes, everyone. Many lives, many masters. Yes, it's amazing. And I guess there's no five sex books in it, but. What? There's, there's five more? books. There's more. And there's a, messages from the masters is one that I'm going to get into next. I'm all in, girl. Holy shit. You introduced me and lives. I am in it. Many lives, many masters. Our purpose, we are karmically involved with each other. We're karmic, karmically monogamous. <laughs> Strul- screw astrology. I'm it's totally all about monogamous with life. our karmic lives together. Yes. I, April and I. and I are in a monogamous karmic relationship. This is true. We just keep reliving it. Uh, okay, so in the room right now we have myself, April, and another and lovely human. Oh, just oh, to set the just to set the uh Oh, yeah, the scene, there's a big scene setting. There's, there's a big pelvis. Three yes. humans, but four <laughs> pelvises. And we're sitting on the floor in my closet room, and um, we have an amazing human over here that's joining us. A local amazing human, Sarah. Yeah. Um, Sarah. So we can call Sarah. Well, yeah, we're bringing Sarah over here. Hi, Sarah. Hi, ladies. Hi. So can we call you Doctor Sarah? Of your pelvic floor specialist, would you go by Doctor Sarah? You, you can you can call me Doctor Sarah. You could just call me Sarah. Okay, uh, just I'm Sarah. so excited to be here with Yay, you guys. Yeah, we're so happy to have you here. I love what you ladies are doing for everybody here in Santa Cruz and in the entire world now with this podcast. So Yay. thanks for the good word you're spreading. Thank you. We yeah. have we are having so much fun with it, and it's really fun to have a local person here. You know, when we started this podcast, I didn't think that we would have such easy access to. Uh, educators here, but there are so many of them. So, and this is a really, uh, really juicy topic. Literally talking about pelvis. <laughs> and um, but so you are a pelvic floor specialist, you know, physical therapist, but you specialize in pelvic floor therapy. Or yeah, how do you, yeah, I do. So health. I'm a physical therapist. I got into physical therapy just because I wanted to help people live better lives out of pain. I went to school up at um, UC San Francisco in the Bay and came back here and worked with patients for a while with spinal cord injuries and strokes and then got more into orthopedics, people with you know, shoulder 
pain, back pain, things like that, but then got really passionate about pelvic health as well. And so I got into the field of pelvic floor physical therapy and it's just a, it's a really awesome way to help people with like kind of a different, deeper quality of life that I felt like I was doing before. So I treat men, I treat women, I treat people who are, you know, any, any sexual orientation, transgendered, um, you can even, you can treat children, you can treat teens, people throughout their lifespan, right? Because as you guys have, are really showing everybody sex and our bodies are something that we should really care for for entire lives. So um, a lot of people don't know about pelvic floor physical therapy, but some of the really common conditions that I treat in men and women are urinary incontinence, so peeing in your pants. And we make this into a joke, right? Like, okay, you sneeze, you pee in your pants. It is something that's really common, but it's not normal, right? Like cancer, it's common, but it's not normal. Um, I treat things like fecal incontinence, um, and I treat a lot of women during um, when they're pregnant, when they're postpartum. Uh, postmenopausal, people after they've had surgeries like hysterectomies, people after C-section, and for a lot of things, um, just you know, pain in general, pelvic pain, pain with sex. There's it, it's actually a medical condition. So dyspareunia means pain with sex, and I would say that a lot of my referrals come in just for that problem. So it's something that you know you guys are trying to take the shame out of sex. I'm trying to take the shame out of the conditions we deal with in our pelvises because it can be something really embarrassing in some ways, and I'm hoping to make it something that we don't have to suffer from any longer. That's um, a, a great mission because I have so many friends that literally say, I cough and then I pee. And I'm like, hey, you uh, should check out Kegel Balls and you should check out, I don't like to should them, but I'm like, you can, you better check these out now. But um, I, th- I'm, I'm like, that is not typical. And it's, it's, it could be a sign of, of a weak pelvic floor, which I pride myself on my strong pelvic floor. Like, I think I said this on a, on a prior podcast. Like I did, uh, I got a, uh, an exam from my gyno and I had the speculum in and they were like, Ooh, wow, you're really great at holding that. You should be a pelvic floor model. And I was like, that's right. So if you're ever looking for anybody at your, <laughs> you can send a new I'm available. I like it. I like it. And that's a big thing, too, because I think a lot of times, especially after people have babies, right, the really big myth is that you're really loose. And for a while, there was even the thing called the husband stitch, right? Such a horrible practice. What is that? Yes. (laughs) And it was it was actually something that was going on where doctors were literally giving women an extra stitch after to please their husbands. Wait a second. Is that where when they do the like the episiotomy, which is an overdone? um, Do you know what an episiotomy is? No, it's where they cut. Well, maybe we should have Dr. Sarah tell us, but no. I, I, it freaks me out. I saw a book on this and that I'm, that's, I'm not birthing a child, but I was like, I'm glad because I need my, that area. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> a, that's a really cool thing too. I love to treat women for is during your pregnancies. One of the things that we do is cause we do, I do intervaginal work. I do inner anal work and we're doing intervaginal work while you're still pregnant. And so we're helping you learn how to relax certain muscles of your pelvic floor. So hopefully you're at like a greater, you know, you're at a lesser risk of tearing or having to have an episiotomy when you have your baby too. And I think a lot of the thing, back to the um, husband stitch idea, but um, just in general, after you have a baby, people think, oh, I'm so loose or I'm, I'm peeing in my pants. It must be because my pelvic floor is too relaxed. But a lot of times the problem is the pelvic floor is too tight. And I see this with mama's post-C-section just as much as post-vaginal delivery is there. I would say that's probably most of the problem people are having, especially pain with sex after having a baby. And the research shows us that 
even I think it's up to even 80% of women are still having painful sex even eight months after having a baby wow. or six months. So we that's something we obviously want to look at, right? And so a lot of times these women, they first need tr- need to help to learn how to relax their pelvic floor before they do strengthening. If they're just going and trying to do Kegels right away and they're already too tight, they can't even do a Kegel. Oh, I didn't know that. I know. So if you have incontinence, if you're suffering from incontinence, and let's talk about female bodies because I'm assuming it's different for the um, folks that identify with the yeah penis owners. Thank you, Amy. (laughs) Amy for the win. (laughs) So what? So speaking of from a female body standpoint, like is that just the preventative Kegel ball methods, or I guess what 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 was I asking? Now I got distracted with the penis. I mean the thing. (laughs) (laughs) She said penis. She's like wow. Well, the thing you're just saying you're saying is actually tightness is the issue. So using Kegel balls wouldn't be the homework. What would be the homework here? Yeah, and so with those people, um, someone who is, you know, we call it hypertonic, means that their pelvic floor is too tight versus hypotonic is maybe someone who needs more tightening, more strength. They first need to learn how to fully let go of their muscles before they can then learn how to strengthen, okay? And the other thing with a lot of people, especially, we'll, we'll talk about female bodies or pe- vagina owners, we'll just say vagina, vagina and vulva owners, owners and, yeah. um, is that there's a lot lot of muscles in the pelvic floor so i brought i brought a pelvis today if you uh if you look at our youtube video which um (laughs) we're going to have online at pure pleasure shops youtube um you will be able to see this pelvic floor yeah it's there you know right there looking looking right at she doesn't there we go of a female body yeah and this is something that you know your listeners can also google as well if you look at um a pelvic floor and so really, there's a lot of different muscles. So you guys can see, ladies, if, if um, listeners at home, if you guys want to just Google pelvic floor muscles, you can see there's so many layers, right? A lot of muscles that we didn't even really know about. And maybe these Look lovely... Look the clitoris. Yeah, I see this whole clitoris. There's the, there's the wishbone. Yes. And this is where they cut for the episiotomy. You got it. Oh, you got geez. it. Was this, the pr- was this the perineum? Yes. So they're, they're pointing right now to the perineum, the area between the vaginal opening and the anal opening. And that is a lot of... That's where the episiotomy cut happens. And a lot of times where... Um, women tear. So but wait, they, so, they sorry, cut it they just cut to it make so it easier for the head to come out. But oh it really is not unnecessary. lord, that sounds terrible. Anybody that does research, ask if you are pregnant right now. Tell your doctor no episiotomy. It's an overly done surgery. Eep. <laughs> and if you if you do get an episiotomy, be sure to come to pelvic floor physical therapy oh, after. Yes. <laughs> so what I was going to say about the pelvic floor muscles, and because you know we've all heard the general advice, just do Kegels, you'll be fine, right? So one of the reasons why I encourage people to see a pelvic floor physical therapist if they're having pain with sex, they're peeing in their pants, and um, is because in the pelvic floor, in the female pelvic floor, there's muscles that specifically. Um, close off the flow of urine that surround the urethra versus muscles that surround the entire vaginal opening, right? And so a lot of times the women that I see, and again, I'm thinking especially about women postpartum after they've had a baby or even like postmenopausal, a lot of times they're really strong at the muscles more towards the perineum between the um, vaginal opening and the anal opening. But You'll, I'll put my finger up more near the muscles near the urethra, and it's like those muscles 
are in Mexico with a tropical drink on vacation doing nothing, right? <laughs> and so someone might Sounds feel- Sounds fun. It does. They're always there. <laughs> I know. We all want to be with those muscles, right? Sure. <laughs> but um, but what happens in these women, they feel like they're doing a Kegel, possibly, and they, they are contracting some muscles, but they're not just using the muscles that actually stop the flow of urine, right? So it's like you go to the gym and you're doing squats totally incorrectly. You're not really working your butt, right? So it's the same thing in the pelvic floor. So a lot of times what I'll do with the, the people I treat is I'll put my fingers on different muscles and I say, okay, you feel the muscles here and they contract. And, that, and then I say, you know, these are the muscles that are more closing your entire vagina. But let's go up to these muscles and I'll kind of use my finger to sh- show that to show them what muscles those are mm. and then help them learn how to just contract those muscles. Yeah. So we use different cues sometimes for those two. So for your listeners at home and you guys could try this here because I know you guys probably have a lot of experience doing kegels, oh, yeah. right? You can right think now. of, there you go. Not 30. But which which muscles are you moving? Exactly. So, but no, that's what she's saying. It's not about all of it. That's why it's great that you're here because I didn't know I was not doing it wrong, but like that I could be more pointed. Exactly. And there are pelvic floor conditions where we want to get the muscles towards the back stronger. There's things called prolapse where we're having um, organs on our body like our rectum or our bladder push into the vagina. It almost feels like something's falling out of your vagina. It's a very common condition postpartum and postmenopausal. Um, and in those cases, we might want to tighten certain muscles to bring things back in. But for example, if you want to think about, and maybe for some of your listeners who are having tro- problems with like urinary incontinence, peeing in their pants, to specifically isolate the muscles towards the front, remember that if you kind of go down your body, if you are a vagina owner, you can put your hand on your pubic symphysis, which is that bone that you feel underneath your belly button. Then it would be your clitoris is kind of the next place you go to. And then you get to the urethra. Mm -hmm. It's kind of almost inside. People kind of think of it as almost inside the whole of the vagina because it really is all up in there, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're in the vaginal opening. Then perineum, then anus, if you kind of want to work your way back. So think, the the urethra, it's right below the clitoris. And so sometimes some of the um, cues I tell tell my um, people I'm working with, my vagina owners, is to close the top portion of your labia over your clitoris. Like you're closing... French doors. That's what you're trying to do without your fingers. You're actually trying to close. Okay, so that's yeah. using the muscle. I feel it now. So you, oh, sorry. Well, we're sharing mics, so I'm, I apologize to the listeners. We have two mics, three people. Um, so now I do. I feel I'm, I'm concentrating. Interesting. And feel how that might be a little different. It is weaker. It's weaker. <gasps> I have a weak labia and clitoris. Oh. What do we call that muscle, though? So, like, yes. Yeah, so, so I say that it's because we all know we're not closing our labia necessarily, but under underneath underneath the labia, you well first you have a muscle right here. It's called the um, bulbal cavernosa. It's and the same. You're muscle. pointing to the la- underneath the labia. It looks on a pelvic floor labia minora. It looks like it's underneath the labia minora. Right? Got it. It's an actual muscle, right? It just it kind of looks like that. Fun fact, it's the same muscle in men that blood fills and forms an erection. Uh-huh. Oh, hi. All made of the same part, just put Ex- in different places. Exactly. That's right. And so if you guys are go- at home Googling pelvic floor muscles, you can see that um, the be- bulbal cavernosa, it actually is kind of is going to close over the urethra. And again, if you're looking at a model online, you can actually see that surrounding the urethra, you have, it looks like a little donut muscle, right? It's called your sphincter urethrae. And even behind that, you've got one called your compressor urethrae. And those are specific muscles that just close off the flow you're in. And then you have like all these big muscles that surround like the urethra and the vagina too. So you will feel when you try to- So if you're doing a pee dance, you're usually closing that. 
muscle. Okay, because I do that often. Wait, the, the one around the urethra. That one. Okay. okay. And sometimes when you're doing the pee dance, you might still be closing the wrong ones. Oh, pee dance off game. <laughs> game off. Ladder like a camel. So <laughs> if I do the pee dance, you know it's serious. <laughs> so April, I'd want to I'd want to test you and feel. I bet that maybe your your you know muscles in the back. I bet you are just this superstar. But maybe yeah. we could we could do some work on the ones in the front. I bet you because while I'm sitting here to trying to flex those muscles, I feel like they're weak. And I go to the gym often. I don't like weak. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. I'm like, is my anus muscle strong? Probably. Nothing's yeah. getting in there. Or coming up. And then also with these I same hope. patients, <laughs> the same people maybe who, you know, they're maybe one of the problems is they're not contracting the right muscles. Oh, oh the vulva fell out. <laughs> well, we have to see the deeper layers. Oh, there we go. Right? So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, the, the same... Um, People who maybe are not contracting the right muscles, after a while, sometimes they they might even be able to contract the right muscles, but they might not be able to let everything relax. So I see so many ladies that are walking around pretty much doing a half kegel all the time. Uh, and these are the ladies that are leaking, they're having pain with sex, all kinds of different things. So a lot of my practice is teaching people how to let go of their muscles first before they can actually do a contraction, right? So think if you walked around with weights all the time, you're not gonna get as strong as if you let the, you know, I'm, I'm showing the ladies right now a bicep curl, letting your arm go all the way down and then bringing your arm all the way back up, you're probably gonna get stronger than if you just walk around with weights like this all the That's time. That's what we be saying on the podcast. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, so we have, to, we have to work the relaxation as much as the contraction. I have a question, it's so, because you were just commenting on the pelvic floor muscles that surround the urethra. Do you ever see that when people learn to relax that muscle that they can now ejaculate? Have, like That actually coincides with female ejaculation? Because I would imagine that's kind of a similar thing for a lot of female-bodied folks who want to learn how to ejaculate. To, to me, it always seems like they just haven't relaxed that, that part of their muscles. And so they'll do Kegels and they still can't figure it out. And so I'm wondering if they focus on that particular thing. So that was the imagine you're closing the, closing the top of the labia around the clitoris, like a little the door. If you did that work to the relax and release that specifically, the release, would that help? Do you know, do you have any? I haven't had any patients talk about that, but what you're saying makes complete sense. I would, I mean, just, I, I'm with you. I, my hypothesis would completely yeah. agree with you that maybe they need to learn how to relax that anterior segment. So yeah. do some work and get back to me on that. Yeah, That's I would like, I would love idea. to know that. I mean, I, I give people advice in regards to dealing, we want to learn how to female ejaculate or, you know, ejaculate with as a, we'll call it female, fejac, fejac. And the advice always is to learn to relax your muscles and also when you feel like you're getting close to orgasm to even bear down and push out a little bit. But what you're saying takes it to a whole nother level that there's all these different muscles. And I've always, I personally always known that there was, you know, I, when I teach, I always teach about, but you have your upper pelvic floor muscles, and this is just the terms that I use, but that's like around the genitals, and then your, your, your back door pelvic floor muscles, and to learn the differentiation between the two, and you're saying there's even more there, and I think that's really valuable. Totally. And, and you can see, too, there's muscles that sometimes they really surround everything, right? They surround, you know, they go even all the way down to our anal opening as well. So sometimes, you know, if you have, let's say, you know, you've had an episiotomy or a tear during childbirth, you could have problems as far as things like rectally as well as vaginally. So there's a lot of, I, lot of really interesting stuff. Looking at this, di like the, the actual 3D model of the pelvic floor, I didn't realize, I always just thought the pelvic floor w was basically what was around the, the, 
vaginal canal. That's in my brain how I always associated it. So this is remarkable. I recommend everyone right now, if you're near a computer, not when you're driving, but when you're near a computer, check out Check it out because that is really helpful. It's and blowing my mind. A bit. What's that thing, blue thing over there? Oh, those are the um, where the glands where you get some of your um, vaginal fluid. Glands uh, oh. is down left. And then you can Good even job. see that deeper inside the pelvis, we have a ton of pelvic floor muscles that actually go all the way back to our tailbone. And they go all the way up to our pubic symphysis. They spread out to our butt bones on either side. So you could see that even if you have dysfunction in your pelvic floor, that could be affecting things like into your low back or into even things like your hamstrings. So I've had patients come in, they think they have like a high hamstring strain, but then I get in and I actually evaluate their pelvic floor as well. And we find that the dysfunction of their pelvic floor is driving their leg pain or their tailbone pain. Could that cause sciatica? Pain. Sometimes a lot. It can be It can be one of a contributing factor to sciatica. Because I well. have a, several folks that I've, like in the last few months that have had problems with, they've mentioned to me they're like sciatica is, is acting up. Don't you sometimes have that pelvic floor? Maybe that could be it. We don't a get lot evaluated. of times, too, is I need to lighten it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we also see the pelvic floor go into spasm, too, to help protect the rest of your body. Because, you know, the pelvic floor, really, it's the bottom of our core, right? We have our diaphragm on the top of our core, pelvic floor on the bottom, and our abdominal muscles and back muscles that surround us. So a lot of times my patients, their pelvic floor is in spasm, but they also have back pain, and they're super weak and, and unstable in their abdominals. And so in a way, sometimes the pelvic floor comes goes into spasm to help give your body some stability that's not getting. So They're that's lacking the core strength. Exactly. Do some planks right now, too, people. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I have a question about that, too, then. Uh, for for your super athletic workout folks like like little Chip over here, <laughs> is there would uh, is it possible to for for people to focus so hard on core strength that it could tighten up the pelvic floor as well? Like it, it could work in a um, kind of like a reverse effect. Is that what the word is? Sometimes, yeah. And actually, one of the really big things I see is with um, urinary incontinence because a lot of times when people are not necessarily even just doing some ab work, but really holding their belly in all the time, that actually can put a lot of pressure down on the pelvic floor. So picture if you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, the bottom of the tube is where the toothpaste comes out. So if you squeeze your, your belly, suck your belly in, that can be actually more pressure on your pelvic floor. So things like urinary incontinence, things like prolapse, where you actually have organs starting to slip through you know, the vaginal opening, rectal opening, can be brought on a little bit more by that. And But what I see a lot, especially in, in women, I think more than men, is people are always holding their abs in, holding their legs together, clenching their butt. And we know there's stuff called fascia, right? Fascia is the connective tissue. It surrounds your muscles, your organs, nerves, every all the good stuff in your body. And actually, that fascia from your belly, it connects into your pelvic floor. The fascia from your inner thighs connects into your pelvic floor. So if you're a listener at home who has pelvic pain, or if you ladies do, sometimes you can rub into your inner thighs, and those people will also have areas of tightness and pain on their inner thighs, too, because it's also related. I don't know if this is related, and, and maybe it's not, and that's okay. We can move on. But I have... Um hip flexor issues is that could that be related to pelvic floor it could be a lot of times hip flexor issues are also related to just core strength and stability in general and okay. a lot of times it's when your hip flexors are coming on to try to give you stability that you're not getting otherwise that makes sense because i do so much core strength like i do pilates all the time and oh man this is 
enlightening. I'm not going to stop working out. No, you don't need to. You definitely don't need to. And um, But just in general, I think, because you ladies, I think, are one of the great things that you guys talk about a lot and some of your guests have talked about in the past is the importance of breathing, right? And being able to relax and being able to let these, you know, basically let these muscles go. And that's something that I think, you know, can be really valuable for male and female bodies, right, who are possibly experienced pain with sex or just pain in their pelvic floor in general because our breathing can actually really help our pelvic floor learn how to let go and help the arousal process in general, right? Mm. So do you guys want to try something to, yeah. to get yeah. these muscles to maybe loosen up a little bit? So you got to get, com- get comfortable. You guys okay touching your pelvic floors a little bit today? So yes. um, if there's, yeah, is that good? So if you, um, it doesn't matter if you're a female or male bodied person, um, just a person with a pelvis in general, if you take your hand, you can find your pubic bone in the front, right? And then you can put your hand kind of next to your your butt bone and work your way in until you're next to your vaginal opening or for the men listening at home, kind of behind your scrotum on the perineum. So just find like a nice little place. And I recommend even laying down if you're at home. It's a nice way to feel this as well. Um, you guys don't have to today. But um, put Play one on top hand of me, there. Amy. And then <laughs> put another hand on your low belly. And can you guys see right now if you can first just first let your low bellies go. Notice maybe if you were even just holding your low belly in in general, right? And can you start to let some breath come into your low belly? So breathing in and out. Noticing if you have any air going up into your chest, up into your chest bone, and instead directing all that air down into your low belly. Feeling that low belly expand. And then can you start to, just like you're feeling your low belly expand as you inhale, and kind of drop away from your hand as you exhale, try to feel your pelvic floor doing the same thing. So as you're inhaling, can you feel your pelvic floor muscles kind of drop and descend into your finger? And as you breathe out, as you exhale, feel those muscles just slowly sink away, right? And so if, it, if this is a hard thing for you to feel, if it's hard for you to feel if you inhale and feel those pelvic floor muscles drop down and lengthen, it might mean that you're really holding your pelvic floor in and tight all the time. So this is a great activity if you are experiencing pelvic pain or you just want to know are those muscles able to fully relax. And some areas you can think about, you know, learning how to let go are thinking of your pubic symphysis in the front letting go because we know pelvic floor muscles attached to there. So you can breathe and picture relaxing that bone. You can breathe and picture relaxing your tailbone because that attaches into the pelvic floor as well. And those are all things you can do to start to feel the breath into your pelvic floor. So that's a great activity I like that. for your patients or for your clients even too um, that are possibly having pelvic pain and tightness either before they want to have sexual intercourse, before just in general if they're having, having pain. So just to kind of get more in touch with your body and what you're doing. Always. And breathing is always good. Getting in touch. Well, I think she said it with your breath. I took the microphone. <laughs> you didn't get to hear the end of it. Um, I think that's that's really helpful. So what my takeaway from that is if we, so we have all these different, this is the Cliff Notes version, of course, but there's all these different muscles and it's important to learn to not, like everyone thinks tighten, but relax these parts of ourselves. And a key way to do that is to imagine breathing into them. And that's, that's a pretty simple tool. And I, and I know for myself, 
when I first started to breathe, breathing into my pelvic floor, it's a little bit of this imaginary abstract thing because we don't really necessarily, you, you can, you can feel it relaxing and releasing, but it's different from the breath in our chest and our diaphragm and our belly. So it might be a practice and I can, I can feel the value of it of, 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 as a way to identify the areas to relax. And just in general, the idea of learning how to breathe into your belly versus just breathing up into your chest. Because if you're breathing up into your chest all the time, <sighs> I'm kind of demonstrating my yeah. chest rising. That actually has been shown to trigger the fight or flight response. So the research has shown us that triggers, you know, adrenaline, you know, running away from the dinosaur. Where being able to breathe into your belly and let your chest be quiet, that's that's triggering rest and digest. So for your patients who are trying to have sex without pain and for pleasure, they actually, it's going to be harder to get into that mindset if you're in a fight or flight run from the dinosaur mindset. So thinking about breathing into your belly can be super, super key with keeping your chest relaxed. That's how I, when I run, I know this is like off topic, but it, it just reminds me of that when I run on the treadmill or when I'm running outside and I breathe really heavily, like with like la almost labored breathing or something where it's hard for me and I just focus on my breath and taking like slow, deep breaths, I can run faster and longer and it's just like breath is amazing there's people that can sit in ice bucket uh like ice what are they called like the ice man man like you can just just because of his breath for like hours when most people would die of, of hypothermia well he's actually doing a really <sighs> breath but it's but it's what i remember it's fast it's really fast and i don't think he's breathing do you remember yeah i don't, I don't think he's doing a full body breath um I've actually done this before. I don't remember it fully, so I could be wrong. But it's not as I can. I know it's not slow. I'll just say that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, the power of the breath. The breath is amazing. It can regulate body temperature. It can relax muscles. It can tense up muscles. It can also help you get through hard workouts. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I, one question I had was because we're talking about relaxing muscles, but how do Kegel exercisers, Kegel balls, jade eggs, how do they fit in, in in your practice in terms of your conversations with folks? Yeah, I mean, I would say that a lot of my patients have to be pretty high level before I recommend them. I I personally um, don't, I haven't found that jade eggs can be as successful for my patient population. A lot of times because what we talked about, about a lot of patients are either too tight or we want the pelvic floor to be able to come on and go off. And so a lot of times with the jade egg, if you're walking around holding a jade egg all the time, it's kind of the same thing as walking around with a stiff leg, right? We we want to have our leg be able to flex and extend as we walk versus just walking around with a uh, you know, straight locked out leg all the time. And so, you know, possibly having it in as a, a feedback tool to, to squeeze against, possibly having Kegel balls in as something to be able to, to hold and to work on sitting up, sitting to standing or something like that. Um, I just, I think the, the way that they might be used in a way that might not benefit people as much as when they're wearing them all the time and walking around because it's not letting the pelvic floor do what it's supposed to do, which is go on and come off kind of in a normal way. Where would be the first place to start just the, uh, after the breathing exercise and getting kind of used to where sh it before people go into the kegel balls, the assisters, what would be the first place to start? Really good question. So what I what I like to would start someone with after they've learned how to let everything go is can they do contractions of those different muscles? So can they do a contraction of maybe the, the back half of their pelvic floor can they pull it up and in can they hold for up to 10 seconds with like a really really good strength can they do that with the front half as well right so not just be able to close and relax but really close and hold then can they do that and repeat it like a certain amount of times both slow contractions and even being able to go on off on off because a lot of times people even when they're really strong they have a hard time 
relaxing, right? And so that motor control aspect isn't really there. So I would say, and for someone at home maybe who doesn't have access to a pelvic floor physical therapist right now, and uh, you can even put your hands, either female or male-bodied, on different parts of your pelvic floor and work on kind of contracting those different aspects and seeing if you can do a, do a hold really first. And I, I find a lot of patients, they think they're contracting and they maybe can hold a contraction for a second or two, but then it really fades away. I'm struggling with the the front portion, but that's I'm going to work on that. Um, with so we've talked a lot because I think, well, I'm a vulva owner. You're a vulva owner. Sarah obviously is with child, so she's a vulva owner. Um, I know. I'm like, okay, good. Um, so as as if if you're talking about like the the male bodied individual or a penis owner, what would they contract using like more of the anal area? Because I don't I'm not familiar as much because yeah, I don't have those so parts. The cool thing is, is like our bodies aren't that different, right? Think of when they're developing. So they can think, you know, the the muscles between the scrotum and the anal opening, those are muscles they can think of squeezing and lifting as well, Got right? Okay. Because when you looked and you guys saw my pelvic floor model, a lot of the muscles towards the outside of the pelvic floor, the ones, you know, closer to the surface, they're more squeezy muscles, but there's also muscles deep inside that also work on lifting. So for both male or female bodied, um, identifying people, thinking of both squeezing, like closing openings, but also lifting up and in is really nice for working all the different muscles rather than just the outer ones or just the inner ones. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And are there, um, different, are those called kegels when you're talking about? Yeah. We use the term kegels. A okay. Lot. Yeah. That's named after a doctor who created this term in the fifties, I believe it was a man. Dab. But so would, would uh, are there Kegel exercising tools for um, male bodies to use? Yeah. So you can, I mean, you can, anything that you're using, you know, as, yeah, you can oh, put things cool. in your anal opening as well, right? Okay. And, and holding things up and in. Got it. What about, what about penis? Got to have a flared base, people. If you're going to put it in there the ass, flared base. Don't put anything without a flared base. Dangerous. Do, do hanging penis weights, <laughs> could that help? Because I had a okay. college, I had that college, the guy in college that I saw that would do penis exercises with a wet towel. <laughs> And I walked in a couple times and I saw it. I, I'm going to have to do some more research and get back I don't to know me. if this is accurate. He just told me and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, what? Uh, this makes me last longer. I don't know. I was 19. Okay. <laughs> well, my, so my question then would be, so what about, so pelvic floor strength from what I know for male bodied individuals, it can be related to erectile strength and of course um, to um, urination. However you say, it. I was like, I almost said like, incont- well, incontinence, I guess, but um, same thing, as well as ejaculation control. Um, but are you, when you're working with male, you do work with male body folks or not? I work mainly with females, we, okay. but pelvic floor physical therapy does treat male and female patients as well as everything in between it. So a lot of times males might seek out pelvic floor physical therapy for urinary or fecal incontinence. Mm-hmm. A lot of times with prostate issues, post mm-hmm. um, prostatectomies, mm-hmm. right? Get, being able to have somebody come in and help. But then even just for pelvic pain, the way women have pelvic pain. So pain, testicular pain, perennial pain, anal pain can all be reasons men might seek this out as well, as well as trans individuals. So if somebody is getting surgery, right? I mean, think we get, if you go get your ACL repaired or you get like a really minor knee surgery, you get sent to physical therapy. So think of a super invasive um, gender reassignment surgery. You probably want to have a little bit of help getting that rehabilitated as well, as well as obviously post C-section and post um, anything after childbirth where you have cuts there as well. So if we have listeners out there that aren't having pelvic floor pain, um, 
and really haven't really done a lot of pelvic floor work in general, is there like a preventative thing that they can do to allow for uh, no need for eventual therapy? You know what I'm saying? Because I always recommend Kegel balls. I'm like, you're Kegel balls. But are there other things they can do? Yeah, I mean, I think just the breathing exercise I showed you guys today, that can be really awesome to make sure your pelvic floor can relax all the way. That'd be like one of the main things. I would say just even some self-exploration of your own pelvic floor and noticing if there's any areas that feel like they're really tight or painful. The same way you might like rub your leg and find a tight muscle, you can do the same thing in your pelvic floor, right? So that'd be a good thing to do. And then to see if you can contract the different parts of it. So you can Google pelvic floor muscles online. You can look at where the muscles are that are kind of near the urethra and ask yourself, can I contract just those muscles like I'm stopping the flow of urine versus can I squeeze the entire vagina versus can I squeeze the entire anus? And if you can learn how to relax all the way, not have any pain as you're touching your pelvic floor and be able to contract the different parts of it, that's probably setting you up pretty well. Yeah, I would, uh, so would it, would it, for homework, you know, if people were like, I wonder about my ass muscles, can you just stick a finger in your ass and tighten and see if you can feel it? Totally. All right, and so it's the same for a, for a vulva, you could do the same thing. And then the harder ones, I think, to test for would be the urethra. And for penis owners, you know, I think, is it all, so for penis owners, this is my question then, we talked about for female body folks, we have the muscles around the urethra, that area. We have the muscles around the vaginal canal. And there's mm -hmm. the deeper muscles, too. And then there's the anal sphincter muscles, mm -hmm. those ones, um, or the anal canal. Uh, for male body folks, would they could they separate the urethral from the the overall pelvic floor, too? Mm -hmm. Same thing? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, for anybody at home, you can think about the idea of stopping the flow of urine or... Um, for people, unfortunately, who've ever had to have a urinary catheter put in, you can think about if that catheter was a straw that you're trying to suck water up off the floor with and you're trying to Yum. suck things back up and into your body, that can be a nice way to kind of work on this. I, I just don't recommend people always sitting on the toilet and trying to stop the flow of urine midstream because yeah. that can lead to urinary retention. So if you try that maybe every couple months, see if you how strong you are, that's fine, but don't make that a regular practice. What does it mean if you really never have to pee? <laughs> I'm just a friend of a friend. No, I, I really, I, I don't drink enough water. That's what Amy's going to say. But I mean, I drink a lot of La Croix. We were just on a business trip and I was like, Chip, you need to drink more water. I drink water only when I'm thirsty. You're only supposed to drink when you're thirsty. I was like, that's not, no, that's not a good sign when you're, when you're craving water. You need, you need water. You're made of water. I mean, you have maybe a different answer, but I think you know the answer, <laughs> April. I, I'm with you. So I think like a good general rule, because it is kind of like, okay, how much water do we drink, right? How should we drink? So a really good general rule is you can think of what your body weight is right now in pounds. Okay. Cut that number in half, okay. and you want to make sure you're drinking about that many ounces of water a day. She drinks a quarter of that. There you go. <laughs> I probably sixteenth of that. <laughs> oh, no. I'm drinking La Croix. Oh, no, it's still over there. <laughs> And it does La Croix count as water? <laughs> that, that, okay. That's fine. Uh, Is it true that they use beaver anus to, <laughs> to, to naturally flavor this? Uh, Sarah, we're expecting you to know all the answers to everything. Beaver anus. <laughs> Please explain why you're saying that. Okay. Because <laughs> I read this article that when they use natural flavors on things, they use beaver anus secretions to help... I don't know who's secreting the anuses of these beavers, but 
I heard but, that when it says natural flavors, it can yeah. be up to a hundred different chemicals. That's what I'm saying. Right? And there's animal byproducts in these things. So I don't know. I'm just saying, I told Amy this when we were traveling in Utah and she was dying laughing. She's like, shut up. I'm like, I swear to you. She's like, why do you know all this weird stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Cause beaver anuses like turned me on, I guess. Cause I love La Croix and I'm pretty sure there might be, if anybody knows a La Croix specialist, is there beaver anus? <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> anyways, tangent. So back to the point. We're still looking for a wine sponsor, but April <laughs> needs to drink more water and a little less wine. Um, well, she's <laughs> she doesn't even know how to drink water. She's spitting all over herself. It's cute. Um, but what, what, what was the, what, what were we just talking about in terms of the water? Beaver anus. No, before the beaver anus. <laughs> in terms of the water. She was talking about in yeah, no, about uh, why I wouldn't probably pee in often enough. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Probably, probably water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Amy's got you covered yeah. on that one. Yeah. I'll just for all the... Thank you. Well, okay, and, and so for um, for people who do pee often, so even male body folks, so if there's male body folks who just have a hard time when they have to pee, they have to go, otherwise they're going to explode. It just comes on all of a sudden. This is, what would you say to them? Okay, so this is these are all really good questions, and a lot of people have these problems, right? You have that friend that, quote, always has to pee, right? So another thing besides not peeing enough is people who pee too often. So really, normal urinary frequency, we only want you peeing once every two hours, right? Oh, you hear that, oh. folks? <laughs> April's like, one every <laughs> <laughs> but some people, you know, they're going to the bathroom so many times, or we call it the just-in-case pee, where they're they're just peeing before they leave the house, just more of a habit rather than, do, you know, when they need to. And then throughout the night, maybe people are getting up multiple times throughout the night to pee. So my general rule is if you are if you haven't gone through menopause yet, if you're a woman, if, you, if you're kind of like, you know, before any prostate issues as a man, you shouldn't have to pee in the middle of the night at all. Oh, ever at all? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know a lot of folks that are doing the opposite. I'm not going to shame anyone, but I do too. <laughs> and obviously there's times you drank a lot of water, you know, you went out late the night before. That might happen more, but that's something you want to kind of work on because you want to get your bladder to be able to be something that gives you accurate information, right? And after a while, like I see it a lot with my, my ladies after they go through menopause and they say, oh my God, I went through menopause. Now I have to pee all the time. Mm -hmm. And really it's like your bladder just, the way it tells you when you have to pee is it gets like a certain amount stretched out. Like, you know, when you blow up a balloon, it gets really big versus a small balloon, right? So you have these stretch receptors inside your bladder that say, okay, girl, it's time to pee right now. And sometimes over time your bladder gets like more and more sensitive and it can't stretch out as much. So we want to make sure our bladders can kind of stretch out to their maximum effect before we actually pee. And I think the big myth is like, oh, you'll get a UTI if you don't pee all the time, right? But but really what I see more is that people become slaves to their bladders. Mm -hmm. And bladders end up being like the two-year-old that's running the family, right? Mm -hmm. And so that that's one thing. I, I like to have people try to get on that every two-hour schedule and not be peeing all the time just because it's just going to get worse as you get older. So stay on it now. So two-hour schedule and then for those folks to also start either see you, see a pelvic floor specialist. And we, we'll, at the end of this, we'll also find out how they can see you. Uh, but then also to that would you say to learn to both to, to relax the urethral muscles like that tissue around there and then also learn how to tighten it too and exactly because yeah. so that person you're talking about it's called I think what you were describing someone who just you know has to pee really bad right that's called urinary urgency so with incontinence we have two times types stress incontinence that's like I'm jumping rope and I pee in my pants or I'm running and I pee in my pants versus urgency incontinence which is I'm 
walking into my house with groceries and I'm opening the door and as soon as the key is in the door, I start to pee a little bit mm. in my pants because I know I'm so close to my toilet, right? Mm. And so for those people, that really becomes a lot of, um, it's almost a mental game, right? And I work I work with both those types of patients, but really those people, get, basically it's getting them out of that fight or flight response because when we get in that fight or flight response, we talked about before that chest breathing, anxious, that a lot of times just will drive that incontinence. So it feels really counterintuitive when you want to pee really bad, but actually to kind of stop, take a deep breath, try to calm down, relax your pelvic floor even, possibly even do a couple squeezes. We call them quick flicks where you're trying to close your urethra in succession really quickly, like on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. That can actually send a message up to your bladder saying, hold on, don't let the pee come out right now. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd recommend to that patient who, or that person who is, you know, always running to the bathroom and leaking a little bit on the way. So is so incontinence, uh, whatever level is curable, we can say it is. It's it. It definitely is something I don't want to say we can always cure a hundred percent. But right. I I think pelvic floor physical therapy is always the first line of defense because okay. surgery. You know, it's there can be some people who are very appropriate to get surgery, but a lot of times that can have lost side effects, right? So I always like to have people try conservative care first. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Um, so in general, as well, if let's say you're going to have a child. Having strong pelvic floor is something that can really help you with labor, right? I mean, this is something we always talk about with wearing Kegel balls. and um, But then let's say afterward you have a child, how long can they go into starting to um, rebuild their pelvic floor strength? Because I know it is, it can weaken, right? Yeah. And I can, we, we do it right away. So through pregnancy, they're learning not only just to strengthen, but to also let go. Cause that's a really big part of the childbirth process is the surrendering and letting your pelvic floor open up all the way to let a very large object pass through. And so that's something that people are learning in pelvic floor physical therapy, even when they're pregnant, right? So I see patients, they come in maybe because they're having pain with sex during pregnancy, they're having back pain and we end up treating their pelvic floor and showing them kind of how to relax some of those muscles. And then it's really fun. Those same people will come back and they'll bring their little infant along with them. And I see people super early on, but definitely we, we don't usually do vaginal work until after they've gotten that six week check by their OB, but we'll come in and um, assess for scar tissue, right? If they had a tear at all and make sure their muscles can fully relax and then they can start to strengthen as well. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I know there's a lot of I, I get asked all the time about when can I start to have sex after pregnancy? When can I? I'm like, I'm actually not a doctor. I just have a podcast, but let me look that up. I'll Google it for you right now. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times um, they recommend waiting till you get checked by your doctor and um, make sure like all the, all the wounds are healed first before stuff kind of goes in there. But um, I think it can be really nice because that's a really scary thing for a lot of women and a really big thing for women, um, either postpartum or postmenopause. And obviously you guys know this for all your work at Pure Pleasure is that lubrication is a big factor, right? Because Uber Lube. Yeah, Uber Lube. I Uber Lube. Still, I know. So, so one thing it's when we're, especially when if a woman chooses to breastfeed their baby, they actually get put into a really low estrogen state. So it's almost kind of like you, you get this fun little sneak peek of what menopause is like, where your vaginal tissue atrophies, right? Gets thinner. You don't produce as much natural lubricant. Right. And so these poor ladies, both breastfeeding moms and then also postmenopausal moms, are super, super dry. Right. 
then they had a tear on top of that and they're not mm. sleeping, right? So all these factors and then they feel guilty because they're not having sex. And so one of the big things that I'm teaching these ladies is the importance of lube, both um, putting it not only on the outside of their body, but deep inside them as well on their partner. Um, if they're partnered with a male bodied individual or with on any type of a sex toy they might be using at that time. And Uber lube is safe for folks with vaginal atrophy, right? Right. Beautiful. I and a lot of times, like these same patients, and I'm sure you guys see them come into the store, either they're postmenopausal or they're breastfeeding moms or just anybody in general that maybe they um, are not someone who's naturally drier. They are having sex and it's painful because it's it's dry, right? They're dry and they're having that friction. And so a lot of times what happens in those those people is that their pelvic floor muscles say, uh-uh, girlfriend, I don't want to let anything in. And those pelvic floor muscles go into spasm. So this person's problem started because they were too dry, but then they get this whole secondary almost injury of pelvic floor muscles that are in spasm. Maybe at that point they've stopped breastfeeding or maybe they're postmenopausal. They've started some type of a hormone treatment where they're not as dry anymore. They've started using Uber Lube and they're not as dry anymore, but their pelvic floor is still in spasm. It almost has this like post-traumatic injury, right? And so I see patients for that all the time. So if you're listening at home and you are postmenopausal or you are post postpartum and breastfeeding or you're just anybody in general who is experiencing the littlest bit of vaginal dryness, definitely go somewhere like Pure Pleasure or, you know, I think you guys can shop online there to get things like lube and um, make sure that you're using lube because it's, I think, a, I think these ladies are helping kind of take the shame out of that. Um, it's very, very important for preventing pelvic health problems down the road. Absolutely. Lube is the key. I'm going to take a lube bath um amy any more questions um no i think is there anything that you feel like we miss that our listeners must know or the most highlights like if there's like a cliff's notes too of the most important takeaways i mean the takeaway that i that really blew my mind was learning not not necessarily learning how to time but to relax and then that seems like the main issue that you're dealing with regardless of um, gender or sex is people aren't relaxing their muscles they're actually more often too tight Totally. I mean, I just think the importance of caring for this area and not feeling shame around it. So I think really appropriate times to visit a pelvic floor physical therapist are, you know, before you have a baby, after you have a baby, before you go or before you go through menopause, after you go through menopause, if you've had any type of surgery involving your genitals, both male or female body um, or some of the other conditions I just described, it's just worth it. Get, getting you'll, If anything, you're just going to learn some more information about your body. And just know that pelvic pain is super, super common. Pain with sex is really, really common. It's again, like we said, it's like cancer. It's common, but not normal in our bodies. Sex shouldn't be painful as you guys know. And we see it all the time. It's really, really, really connected to people who have had obviously trauma, any type of trauma. We've the research has shown pelvic pain is connected to people who have gone through even terrorist attacks, natural disasters, mm -hmm. things obviously like sexual trauma, but even emotional trauma. And um, my Santa Cruz hippy dippy tidbit, I know you guys are interested a little bit as well, is ancestral trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm always really interested in the effect that that has. And we don't know what's happened in people's past lives of their their family members and how that could even affect our bodies. Yeah, I like that. Yes, yeah, Eddie. Karmic warriors. What did our pelvic floors trauma? What was it when we were going together lifetimes ago, Amy? We didn't have a trauma. Our pelvic floors are awesome. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure when our warrior. That's why April and I convinced that we were like warrior goddesses ruling some kingdom back in the day. We're not sure when or where, but we'll get back to you when we re read the second book of <laughs> Many Lives, Many Masters. <laughs> okay, one last thing I wanted to ask you. We I asked the female ejaculation question, but just uh, before we end. Um, 
I always recommend to people who are trying to learn how to have orgasms, more orgasms, better, bigger, stronger orgasms, to work on their pelvic floor. And specifically, I always tell them to do Kegel exercises. What can you say about... Do you have anything you can say about... Because I would imagine the other part of it, the learning to relax those muscles would be really important too as part for orgasm or just for sex in, in general. I mean, do you have anything that you want, can add to that piece? Yeah, I mean, I think the relaxation part would be huge because what I see with my patients, even ones who are relatively strong, is that they can do an even stronger contraction once they've learned how to fully let go. And so I would say for those people to explore their ranges of being able to fully relax their pelvic floor before they do any contractions as well. So doing a lot of work like that breathing exercise that I described, laying down and doing that for five minutes first, and then maybe feeling if you're, you are doing like a Kegel type contraction, being able to hold for 10 seconds or whatever, but then feeling, can you really truly let go all the way in between? That's usually the biggest problem that I see with people who think they're strong, but think that maybe there's something else they can do to get better. It's can they get that full relaxation in between. Awesome. Yeah. This is so much useful information. I know can tell April's mind is blown. I the tape the biggest thing for me, because I always I pride myself, as I said in the beginning, on having this like amazing, amazingly strong pelvic floor. And now the whole like um, tightening of the clitoral area where the hood of the clitoris, that area where the labia minor, like, I am blown. I've been doing it the whole time. Now I'm like I'm trying to focus. I'm like really, I'm really putting pressure on that area. I'm like, come on, react. So I'm going to build that up next time you see me. You can feel that area. Okay, Sarah. <laughs> I'm relaxing. So I'm and just just to be to be clear on that too, you know, we were we, we talked about the clitoris. We talked about closing, you know, the muscles that are kind of underneath the top half of the labia. You know, we actually were working the muscles that were deeper inside around the urethra. And for female-bodied individuals, if you want to actually feel the muscles that are around your urethra, what you can do if you're at home and you're sitting or standing, you can take one finger, like your index finger, put it inside um, your vagina, kind of like how you talk about people finding their G spot, but don't go in very far. Just go into like almost, you know, the second knuckle and put your finger straight up. You'll find actually the muscles that surround your urethra. So you could put your finger a little to the right and a little bit to the left. It'll kind of feel like you're passing over a ball. That kind of ball you feel a lot of times is the muscles that surround the urethra. So you could put your finger right there. Try to do like that whole I'm squeezing, you know, I'm closing the doors over my clitoris and you might be able to feel those muscles around your urethra. So I'm, I'm really working on, on that. This is my homework for the break, the holiday break. She's going to eat a lot of cookies and <laughs> do her urethral exercises. I might drink a lot of nog. <laughs> no, she's going to drink the wine. Yeah. Uh, how can people find you, Dr. Sarah? Yeah, well, I um, I work here in Santa Cruz, so I work at Precision Physical Therapy. So you can go to prefitpt.com, and you can schedule an appointment. You could also email me, Sarah, S-A-R-A, Tanza, T-A-N-Z-A, at prefitpt.com if you have any questions or you need help finding a pelvic floor physical therapist near you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. And you talk as fast as we do. So this is perfect. <laughs> this is good. We get so much information. Uh, and before we go, we're going to say goodbye to Sarah. And then April and I are going to answer one sex question because we have a list of them and we want to get through them slowly as opposed to bombard you with a whole bunch in one episode. Um, so thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. We love you. You're amazing. Right back at you guys. Yes. 
All right. That Sex was so question fun, time. by the that way. Was so that was, awesome. She was great. I was, com- I was commenting. She just left. At, we just said our goodbyes, but we just took a moment off air and now we're back. But um, she talks as fast as we do. I know. And she's just like adorable she's and adorable. so sweet. So thanks, Sarah, when so you listen to this. Thanks for knowledge. being on our show. We love you. Can't wait for more. So we have some sex questions that we want to answer. And one of them is actually perfect because it's related to what we just talked about. Um, so this is from someone who also s- remember the the episode we asked for a shameless sex jingle. Yes. So um, they made a shameless sex jingle, and I'm going to play it for you all it's right now. Really cool. So I was we were yeah. like loving we were it in the and car. just like laughing and and thank you and please send us your jingles. It's it's great and we'll play them on the we'll air. we'll play them on the air for sure and maybe one will just become a regular thing regular. So ready set go and play it right now. Yeah. Here we go. Yes. Well, hello there. I'm Amy. I'm April. We have something just for you. Shameless sex Don't you love, love it? it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. sex Shameless sex Shameless uh, so thank you. We love it. Thank you, uh, listener. Yeah, super fun. So this person sent us a sex question. There's um, multi-layers, but one part of it is that they asked about our... It was... Um, are there any ways that I can either work on my premature ejaculation or am I just stuck with a quick dick? And um, so this, I think, goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about, what Sarah was talking about. So I'll, I'll, what I'm really going to say is everything, I'll refer to this episode. Right. We were talking about in this, um, it, and Sarah didn't go too deep into ejaculation, nor, nor did I. And I think that was because she was more in tune with, I think, a lot of female bodies, exactly. it sounds like. But I think the first step would be yeah. seeing a pelvic floor specialist. And, and yeah, seeing a pelvic floor specialist because it is very much related to those muscles of the pelvic floor and everything Sarah said about learning about the difference between your anal sphincter, those, those pelvic floor muscles, versus your urethral muscles muscles versus your overall pelvic floor in the front part of your body learning to like Sarah said to relax them and learning to tighten them um, and, and, and lo- you know, lo- learning more about that is very much related to um, ejaculatory control as well as bladder control they kind of I mean your ejaculate comes out of the same urethra same part right. of your body so of course they're, they're going it's going to be a lot of getting in touch with your body and learning about your body which and the different layers and of the muscles, different though, layers that we of didn't muscles even know about. No, ex- yeah. and I was just thinking that when she was here and I was listening to Sarah's conversation because I learned something new about my body all the time I'm like I didn't know I could do that I didn't know I didn't know I had muscles there so I think it is going to be for you listener that wrote in to us a matter of getting to know your body and contracting and and breathing and and releasing those muscles. And I think from there, um, you can also start to look into maybe there's something deeper that's triggering the the pre-ejaculation. Exactly. A lot of times it's, it's a mental thing. It's also. that it's that story of I'm going to come too soon. I'm, I'm going to come, come too I'm gonna soon. I'm going to come. Yeah. Right. And and then you do and and getting out of your head and into your body and Just one breathing way, and the breathing is always helpful if you feel like you are going to ejaculate and get one, into your breath work. And one helpful thing too is when you oft, often when you do come to what you know, premature ejaculation also in my opinion is kind of a loaded term like pre, premature for what or for who um, what does it mean? Is it like 30 seconds? You're not is going as long minutes? as you'd like to is yeah. what I'm getting from exactly. it. Exactly. It's like inconvenient. Want, he wants yeah. to be more, in, this person wants yeah. to be more in control, it yes. seems, of when the ejaculation, what it can, when, when it would arrive. So. Exactly. So one thing that you can do when you're feeling really excited about the intention in your cock is also is to just take the focus out of your cock. So start to put the focus, like breathing into your lower belly or into your inner thighs or something that's not genital related. And quite often it can take the energy out 
out of there. And the other last thing I'll say about that is your breathing, which April was commenting on, but breathing slower, deeper breaths can, it can decrease arousal and fast, rapid breaths can increase arousal. So just paying attention to how you're breathing in those moments as well. Tune in, tune in, tune in. And then they also did ask a question, um, how to have a conversation about introducing sex toys into their relationship oh. and, um, and also discussing their erotic desires with a new partner. Uh, have your ask your partner first of all. Just say, um, ask them. You can ask them if they want to listen to podcast episodes and be like, How, "What do you to think this? about these things?" I'm actually really interested. Do in you want to go shopping? Yeah, on, on Pure Pleasures website. Go on a date. Yeah, go on a date or or PurePleasureShop.com, but or go or on a date your to local a sex shop. local sex shop. Yeah, and um, and, and that can be fun. Totally, super fun. And then, or you can the erotic desires episode that we did, episode two. You can say, "Hey, I heard this interesting episode that taught me about my desires. I'd love to know about yours. Can we listen together? Or maybe you can listen, then we can share our desires." Also, if you're interested in checking out a hot octopus product, that's always helpful. Incorporating something that is designed for two bodies to use. Uh, I think that it's always good. Like a wee vibe too, depending on what you're into or a cock ring or something. Start with a well, there's minimal investment. Conversation. How do I talk to yeah, someone true. about it? So okay. it's, it's not just what toy, not just what toys shoes. It's how do I even bring up the fact that I want to use sex toys and get into harness play. And I, we've talked about this in past episodes, not in the bedroom, take it out of the bedroom. Yes. You're walking down the street. Dinner. Yeah. And say, Hey, I've been thinking about some things that sound kind of fun and exciting to me. Are you open to talking about and them? They're probably gonna be like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And, if, and, the same thing. and this is the thing too. If they say, uh, no, thanks. That doesn't sound good to me. Then you, you know, respect that. Um, you, you can also inquire why, what, or, you know, what about it doesn't feel good, but don't pressure them in terms of their things that they're not into. And if they shame you, send them our way and we will to our podcast so we can teach them about how not to shame someone for their sexual interests, because I think it's badass to put your desires out there and, um, and not keep them to yourselves. I think a lot of it does stem from th when it, people have, Bad feelings, I will say, about sex toys or using sex toys. A lot of it just comes from a, a, a bit of, uh, I think, not knowing. The, uh, the unknown can be really, it can feel strange and feel weird. And I think thinking of it as an as a enhancement tool rather than something that's going to take over. Um, I mean, for me, like I, I have a mental um, addiction, if you will, to my sex toys. But Which, one, which one's your favorite? The magic wand, oh, yeah. But the queen bee has has come up. The yeah. queen bee has the come queen up. Bee is badass. It's it's amazing, but it also is. Uh, it's smaller. It's just uh, I just have this mental because I've used it for so many years mm -hmm. since I worked at Pure Pleasure. So I just it, I'm mentally. So I've had to take a step back from that. But that doesn't happen. It's in your mind. It's not. You're not physically addicted to the to the toy. She has an addiction. Her her <laughs> the receptors in her body are hooked. Yes, <laughs> they're like, please give me more of that. So that would be. I think that's great advice, Amy, for this listener. And I think that this. This episode is a great uh, tool for this listener as well. Yeah, yeah, pelvic floor strength. Last question, and then we will say adios to our, our people here. But we have so many questions in our queue, and we want to get through them slowly so that these people get their answers. And I'm sure this is all really helpful for all of you, too. Um, and this is not related to pelvic floor strength. This person said we could use their name. This is Alex from Salt Lake City. Hi, Alex. And shout out in Salt Lake City. Shout uh, we, out. Um, we love this store called Blue Boutique in Salt Lake City. And we want to give you a shout out. If you're in Salt Lake City, go check out Blue Boutique. They have all the products we're talking about. They Hot do. Octopus, Magic Beautiful Wand. store. Super comfortable Uber shopping Loop. in there. It's yeah. that super high-end feel. Yeah, multiple Looks stores. Nice. They do. They have yeah. four stores. Yeah. And, um, 
all over Salt Lake City area. Yeah. And you can also go to blueboutique.com yeah. and check out their locations or shop on their website. Yep. They're awesome. And so um, this person from Salt Lake City sent us a question. They said, dun, 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 dun. I'm a straight man and I don't watch porn. I grew up in a very religious home and despite no longer having any religious views, I can't help but shake the feeling that I'm doing something wrong by watching porn. When I have used or consumed porn on a frequent basis in the past, I can't shake the feeling of guilt, even with my, when my partner has expressed that she doesn't mind if I watch porn. I feel that it makes me have a significantly harder time connecting emotionally to other people, and even on a physical level, sometimes you, as you are satisfying needs that you otherwise would need to rely on a partner to fulfill. I don't like the feeling of being emotionally numb or stunted, and because of that, I, uh, because of that, I choose not to watch porn. Are my views archaic or close-minded on the topic? Have you heard of other people with similar experiences? Um, they want to know if this is misplaced guilt or if this is them being kind of old fashioned. Um, and I, what I do you have? I mean, I mean I'm pro porn, but I watch porn. I know yeah. not everything's not an education tool, and that's of course what we say. But I, I watch taxi driver porn, and my partner <laughs> thinks it's so funny because I do not want to get fucked in a taxi. I just love this, and it's British. It's specifically British cabs only. And they have to have a British accent. I don't know what it is. So at what point do you actually come? Like when you're watching that porn? Because there's always I, a peak moment. So I... Like what about the, it the, really It's usually... Be, okay, I love the fact that it's kind of, in my opinion, and, and, and this is just me speaking for myself. It's like has this dirty feel to it. Like, oh, you get into this cab. You don't know the person. And it's like this She's old guy. She's also a germaphobe. So that cab's real dirty. Yes, literally. and the cabs are nasty. <laughs> and so, no offense. Most, some of them are clean. But the, in... I don't know. And then this guy's head is like, it's totally, you can't see it. It's like not blacked out, but it's like um, hazed out on the on the video. It's fake taxi, UK. Um, is <laughs> It's on YouPorn <laughs> if you want to search, search for it. And there's just a lot of different ones. Uh, and th- what I, I fast forward, so I look at her get into the cab. It's usually a female-bodied person that gets in. A lot of times it's an older woman <laughs> as well. <laughs> I like. What you, I'm releasing older, all my shame. She, in what is she like? Twenty? No, no. <laughs> what is older? I'm talking to you? like. There's like. I mean, okay, she's older than 30. I am. She's thirty. No, but I don't know. Older for porn, porn maybe. Yeah, in the porn world, she, she could be my mom. Okay. Oh, awesome. So some of them are right, younger. So your mom gets in a cab. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's getting into a cab. <laughs> and so then they're like talking, and then I just fast forward until um, he always goes down on her, and I love that. So I watch that, and then she always sucks his cock and then licks his asshole, and that's when I come. The asshole lick. Yeah, and he, it's yep. him making all the stuff. You yeah. knew it. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he always fa- he always um makes the G spot squirt too in like, almost every single character. No, it, do you think it's real squirting? I don't know because I haven't analyzed it. I'm usually coming at that time. <laughs> so she's busy. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> she can't even. So pay for you, Alex, our listener who she asked, says, check out this porn. If <laughs> it changes your mind, I have no shame in my porn game. My partner thinks it's hilarious. He's like, "What are you doing watching the cab?" I was like, "How'd you know?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I had some time to kill <laughs> before he came over." Um, but I, for some reason, I don't know. And I have a thing with certain types of porn, and I do like when the man is very when I like porn that is. Um, usually uh, I could go either hetero or um, threesome with two female bodies and a male bodied individual. That's what I watch usually. But I watched that for so long that I don't, now I'm bored with it. 
Uh-oh. the two-on-one. Uh, yeah, now you're in the cabs. Yeah, now I'm in the cabs. <laughs> What's next? Hubbocrats? <laughs> <laughs> Helicopter porn. Um, so that's what I'm going. Now you can give your perspective right, so on a more April educated standpoint. educated you all on the fact that she likes porn. <laughs> I just want to make it okay for people if they do like yeah. porn. It's okay. And there's nothing, and I think why this this person, Alex, is asking is that they know that, that a lot of people are okay with watching porn and they're saying, I'm not what's wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with you. And if you have had conditioning that has told you that watching porn is dirty is wrong is sinful is not something you should do or should or even just something that you should hide and not talk about then there can be a lot of shame around it and vice versa there can also be this taboo that's sexy around it too like ooh, i like the porn even more now that i'm not supposed to do it so a lot of your stuff is probably coming from some messages that were never yours now what i will say is when you ask this question about it kind of desensitizing you um, that is true. There's definitely a truth to that. When we watch porn, it is a quick dopamine rush. There is so much going on. It's like visual stimulation to the max, and we can it intensifies the arousal and the orgasm process as opposed to the real-life thing and the dopamine production that happens there. So you are correct that when you watch a whole bunch of porn, it can actually change your ability to become aroused quicker with a human being because there's less of an instant dopamine fix. Same thing happens with vibrators. That's why April loves her vibrators so much. It's a quick dopamine fix. I like the instant gratification. You know, fingers and penises and dildos take longer. And this is is completely um, really common. So that's true. And it is also true that by watching a whole bunch of porn, um, it can shift your ideas about relationships around how you want to treat uh, anuses around female bodies around male bodies you know it we are what we watch we are what we eat we are what we think we are what we say i mean it's what if you look at the media mainstream media is doing for a lot of body shaming yeah people uh-huh. get shamed because they're not looking like these photoshopped versions of these models and so i, I totally get that and i feel yeah. you so just way. consuming with awareness i'd right. say and consuming things with balance You know, if you're watching a whole bunch of porn, you're watching porn every single day or you only need porn or you can only get off to porn. It's something to look at if you want to look at it. I take a fast. I I, I do porn fasts on a regular. How long are those fasts? Usually like a week or two. (laughs) No, no. No, She's not watching all If I feel like I've been watching maybe too many times in a day, I'll go take a break (laughs) for a few days. Um, And also, I I wanted to point this out because he did mention, I think in his question, um, that... He wanted to bring it up to his partner. No, not this person. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, um, they well, said that they have partners that even have even said it's okay. all good, and they still felt shame around it. Because I wanted to point out, I don't, I, I, I choose, I don't want to watch porn with my partner. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, it makes me uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. I get an uncomfortable feeling thinking about watching porn well, with my partner. You're not as free because now you're right. on the spot to perform, right. and, and to connect. And there's just a lot. I feel the same way right. when I watch porn on my own. It's, I can really drop into my body. Me too. And whereas when I watch with a partner, it's, it's a little awkward a little bit and it's like especially when it's cheesy porn oh, this yeah. is the best yeah i love three dicks in my ass i know and sometimes <laughs> i'll come across that like voyeur showtime special at night and i start to watch it with my partner and then i'm like this is just weird this is actually not turning me on no <laughs> i'm like this is the opposite i start to analyze the, the the scene and yeah so anyway with with okay so that wasn't the question for yeah. some reason i, I we must have had a but different I question would with say that for this person alex if you want to learn to love porn or like porn, which it doesn't sound like you're even that interested in because you feel like it's desensitizing you from connection. Um, you know, if that's the case, if you don't want to, then don't. Take a like, porn fast. Or, 
well, they, don't, they don't even watch porn really though. Like you're all oh. good. You're all good where you are. If you want to get rid of that shame, but yeah, it sounds like you have some shame too. That's some old stories and old conditioning. Then it would be to just start watching. And every time you have something come in mind, that's telling you this is bad to tell yourself that this is okay. Tell yourself a new story and reframe that. But honestly, if you're feeling like you, it affects your connection, then more power to you to not watching porn. You could also watch educational videos yeah. if that interest you that are considered porn. They're not yeah. but like the how to stuff. How to stuff. Justin Termino has some good stuff. And that and could I know, and that could yeah. be like an interesting way to get sort of that maybe that aspect yeah, and that it's actually educational. But it's, it's educational and you can feel good about yeah. it. You're yeah. learning. Ooh, I like that. Good tip chip. Thank you. Well done. It's all the LaCroix I've been drinking. Yeah, she's been drinking a lot of <laughs> A lot of LaCroix. I may have to pee soon. <laughs> Weird. I'm not going to hold it. <laughs> Weird. See, that's one thing you'll never see. April running away on a podcast to go pee. Nope. <laughs> or if there's a four-hour car ride, I am, I'm like, you better hold your pee, Amy. <laughs> I'm like a really a, a Gestapo police officer wire. about it. Like, you're not drinking. I'm cutting you off of fluids. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. All right. So, I, think, I think that that answers that question. And with that, with that well, I do want to say thank oh, yeah. you for writing questions, oh, everyone, to our listeners. And uh, please continue to write us. We will get to your question or we will answer via email um, as, you know, as soon as we can. Remember, we do get not a lot of time to devote to shameless sex, but we love it and we want to devote as much time as we can. This is a passion project for us that we both adore and love and we do thank you and we appreciate all the listeners so much. And if you do want to write us a question, you can go to shamelesssexpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website, shamelesssex.com and we have like a little question area. Also, questionnaire amy you want to talk about that oh the survey yeah we have a survey on our website that we mentioned in a, another podcast but we're trying to survey our listeners to understand who we're talking to uh so if you go to our website shamelessx.com there's a survey on the front page and you can click on it and it should literally take like five minutes it's just and it's completely anonymous and it's just demographic information about who you are and um and you know what you do for a living it's really for you so we can give you more information yeah. that you desire to to hear and also to give you to give us insight um and it's information is power and key as as we always talk to you about um with the books and audible books that we recommend i think information is key so information from you is key yeah. so we appreciate your time it's just 5 little minutes and you do get a reward though for taking the survey. Oh yeah, you get 25% off at purepleasureshop.com. And we'll send you the coupon code after you take, you have to take the survey. survey so you get rewarded. So it's like a win-win. So I, it's a win for everybody. So thank you all for tuning in. We hope you learned something awesome today. We see you every Tuesday and we'll see you next Tuesday. So ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.